Welcome to the Oxford Policy Podcast. My name is Eric Kuchrenko. I'm from Ukraine, and this year I'm doing a Master of Public Policy program in the Blavatnik School of Government at the University of Oxford. Today, I am honored to host a very important guest, my fellow student, community and values representative of our cohort, Emma Greitsarova from Slovakia. Thank you very much, Eric. Hi, lovely to be here. So we are recording this episode on Monday. Therefore, my first question is, how is Monday survival going? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, actually, for me, it's always better than I expect. Like yesterday, I was a little stressed, like the Sunday blues, you know, when like evening is here and you're like stressed about the next day. And the next day comes and it's actually not so bad. Like you met your, you meet your, um, sorry, classmates, you have interesting conversations. I just had a meeting with student reps. Um, so it actually goes better than I expected. How was the meeting? Oh, it was uh, it was good, but we had so many ideas and we all are so super busy. Uh, so we had to cut it like at one exactly so that I can make it here and everyone else to other meetings and classes. So I think that we have still a lot of ideas to discuss. But uh, the most important thing is that tomorrow we're going to have a town hall meeting for all the cohort, for the whole cohort to listen to you and also to present our ideas. So that was the main point. Wow, as you vote, uh, looking forward to your results. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> exciting. So our first question will be, um, before coming to MPP, what was your path? How did you decide? How, how did you choose MPP? Why in particular this program? Yeah, so um, before MPP, I worked for the Slovak government for almost five years together uh, for the Ministry of Finance and then for the office of the government. So it's like the office that the prime minister is uh, running. And I was working on this uh, recovery and resilience facility. So it's like a facility which through which we get money from the European Union and we have to implement very difficult reforms and investments. And every country from the EU has this opportunity after COVID to set up such a facility. And I was working on the one um, in Slovakia. And um, it was challenging years. It was, I mean, um, we started to create the whole facility in Ministry of Finance. I was super young. I was like one year after my first master's I did. Um, and we, I've kind of started to observe that, I don't know, like there was no structure whatsoever. We kind of like did everything ad hoc. I mean, I know it was pandemic years and the whole facility was a new thing, but over the years, I just felt like um, it was not, yeah, there was no like really like Slovakia and most other, maybe other countries are just not very institutionally strong. And very quickly, I got also involved in or very close to politics. And I saw maybe things which I didn't like per se. And I started to think like, there must be more to it. Like there must be a way how to get a structure to your country, how to get a structure to the policy decision making and to the technocratic work. And I started to think that I need to leave for a bit and take a step back and think like how I can challenge my country, how I can challenge my, um, the, the processes that they are set up there. And um, then I found out about this program through my friend who studied here two years ago. And uh, this whole idea kind of started to make sense that I can, I can come here and I can bring something back home afterwards. And, and as I said, to challenge my country. Mm. Um, in simple words, what were particular duties in this position? Were? Did you decide um, for what the government allocates this money coming from the EU? 
So n- not just me personally, of course, and I, I wasn't like a director general of the whole of the whole program. I was head of uh, European uh, unit, European department. So my tasks were mainly about negotiations with the European Commission, technical ones. Um, so it was mostly like translating all of the European bureaucratic kind of language and requirements and legislation into simple words um, back home in Slovakia and so that we all understand what is expected from us. Because of course, when you get money from the EU, there is a lot of strings attached and uh, you have to follow very strict rules, which is of course uh, good uh, in a sense, but it also very easily can get like administrative uh, uh, overburdening. So we're also fighting that. But yeah, mostly working with Brussels. That was my job. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You said you came here to challenge your country. So um, does your ex- current experience sufficiently allow you to challenge your country? Does it live up to your expectations in terms of what you can bring home? Such a good question. Actually, after two months here, less than two months, and we had also elections during those two months back in Slovakia. And I don't want to comment on that, but uh, maybe everything will be said by the fact that I don't really want to go back at the moment because I actually starting to think that what Oxford is providing me with and what I'm learning here and what kind of people I'm surrounded by here, maybe um, Slovakia doesn't even deserve this. Like, I don't, I don't want to be too bad, but I mean... Don't, don't be too harsh on Slovakia. Yeah, well, nice country. <laughs> it's a nice country and I, I know I love many things about it. Um, but also, as I said, after the elections and with people who are now in power and I know mm. what they are doing in the ministries where my friends still work or my previous colleagues and how they are basically destroying a lot of what we have created and what we worked for. Um, I, I'm just really thinking whether whether um, they want me actually back. Um, and I'm like always you know, kind of um, stuck between these two narratives about public servants. And the one opinion is that we should always be there and provide the excellence of the technical work, regardless of who is in power. But then you also have the other opinions who say like, well, if you can't really stand like the morals of your government, then you probably don't want to work for them. And I don't know where I'm standing now at the moment. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that in the MPP, uh, the people that surround you, are very important, the cohort. Um, what particularly impresses you about our cohort? I'm impressed every day. <laughs> like I, every day I, 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 I learn something new about our cohort and it might sound like cliche because we all say it, but for me, it's really, really, really impressive. Like meeting people who have worked with such incredible things and, and I don't know where, who are CEOs of some stuff and who are diplomats here and travel around the world there and work in humanitarian things and being politicians and did all the things that I've never had. Yeah, or for instance, administration in the U.S. system to Slovakia is also very <laughs> impressive. Uh, thank you. I, I always have this feeling that my work just sounds more impressive than it actually was, but I mean, it must be, <laughs> might be also imposter talking. Um, it's not also just about their work. It's also about the humanity, like about the, the, the how great humans are I found here. Um, we've already like, of course, like I, I, we all try to be in touch with as many people as we can, but we all kind of found, found few people who we are like really close to, I think. I hope that like everyone has at least like one person they can like at least trust or something. And um, I found like such incredible human beings here who are like so nice to me and, you know, like 
just genuinely like me and I genuinely like them and we want to continue in that. And maybe it's just like very soon to say that, but I, I really hope that these friendships will continue also afterwards. So yeah, to conclude, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by the achievements of the people, but also of their like, what they carry inside. Like it's so beautiful. Wow. And in terms of the academic parts of the program, we know that friendships are obviously the most important here. But in terms of what subjects we have now, what would you say is your favorite subject this term? I would say that after this, I mean, we are in week seven, um, so almost closing the first term. Uh, the most, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really here, right? Flies. Time flies. Like still, I don't, I can't figure out my calendar, but uh, somehow we are <laughs> closing the first term. Um, I don't know how Canvas work. I couldn't find a reading for econ today. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, I think that most most impressive course for me is foundations. And the reason for it is that, I mean, I have my bachelor for economics and I did my master at LSE, which also kind of says that I should be good at economics, but my, my past uh, formative uh, doesn't really uh, kind of say so. But anyway, uh, the foundations... Um, it's like I've never studied anything like that. Like I, oh, I know some of the names that we talk about. Of course, I saw, I heard about uh, roles and I heard about Nozick and uh, before, but I've never really like studied what they said and like how is it important. And it makes me think differently to what I'm used to, and and question like everything. And even though I'm sometimes like really tired by the fact that we have like two lectures and case study and seminar and it's like it's so much work and readings and everything. On the other hand, I realize like how it is incredible that we can like imply what we learn, uh, apply what we learned from the from the theoretical session in the case study and in the seminar. And we can just like go deeply into these questions, you know, and it kind of like swim in the philosophical pool. And yeah, just to explain to our listeners beyond the MPP cohort, and I hope that someone beyond the MPP cohort will listen to us, um, that uh, foundations is basically political philosophy, but taught in a bit unusual way, because I would say that we proceed from the point not of the material, but rather philosophical material, but rather of modern political problems, and then try to answer them based on certain philosophical work, studies, research. So it's a very, I would say, um, practice-driven course. Mm, that's for sure. Like when you're sitting in the seminar, you know, and we're just like, I kind of feel like a philosopher, you know, like, <laughs> like with Mo and whoever, like, yeah, what, what do you think? Oh, I actually agree with that. Oh, yeah, let's challenge that. Um, so it's uh, it's like, it's an experience. And I feel like the also for whole cohort is the kind of like a thing that keeps us together. Um, if I may disclose about our uh, MPP academic uh, <laughs> WhatsApp group, which is proudly carrying a face of our, our very own Professor Joe and, and his <laughs> and his photo as an icon of the, of the group. He deserves it. <laughs> he deserves That's it. Yeah, nice exactly. recognition. So, um, so I think that like foundations is something that we all kind of yeah talk about, joke about, live through it. Somebody, someone's maybe hate it, someone love it, but generally, I find that really interesting and, and important for our thinking to kind of explore like new ways how we can think about stuff. Yeah, leaving no one indifferent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, it's interesting that you brought up the seminars in foundations. These are basically case studies. We are given a certain situation and we have as policymaker just to decide the situation. And I would say that in the last case on flag burning and whether they should be criminalized, 
the discussion actually made me change my mind. Oh, really? In a certain way. Yeah, so I just listened to my colleagues and the the perspectives based mm-hmm. on the origin of a person differed immensely. Mm-hmm. And um, from like listening to their policy arguments, I actually concluded that while it is morally wrong, it's very difficult to criminalize it in a proportionate way because the, yeah. the situations and the context differ so much and impose an, out, an, an outright ban would actually not be proportionate because certain situations may not require actually criminalizing it. Interesting, because for me it was the other way around. Like I was, it, it, in, like before that, like was I was more of like in indifferent, like whether criminalized or not, I have no attachment to our flag mm. whatsoever. But then also listening to my classmates and listening to what flag means for some of them, actually I realized that it might be a thing somewhere, like it might have something to do like with the whole kind of community feeling. So I am like undecided. And that's a beautiful place to be also that you can say, I don't know, I'm happy just to listen, you know, I'm happy to think. I don't have to solve everything. Yeah, and it's actually illustrates the positive effect on foundation of foundations because mm-hmm. it allows you to get exposed to other perspectives, yeah. even if they are very different from exactly. yours. Yeah. And then maybe at least to try to understand what is behind this perspective and how you can incorporate it into your own uh, worldview or even a policy decision. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that uh, you already did uh, a master's program. Could you tell us a little bit about how MPP differs from your previous program? Maybe in some ways it's better, in some ways perhaps unlikely yeah but in some ways was could you elaborate on that sure happy to yeah so i did my master at lse in london that was uh six years ago i think i finished 2017 it was political economy of europe and so for many people it might sound actually similar to what we do here but it's it's really different like political economy is its own subject, its own course, it's own science for some. Um, it's not like just combining economics and political science together. It's like we had professors who wrote like completely new concepts. I also had like a course which was called Concepts there, which is something like foundations here, let's say. But the concepts were really like applying political economy concepts to big, you know, events that we saw around the world, like Brexit or, or, or financial crisis and stuff like that. So you didn't take lenses of economists, you didn't take lenses of the political scientists, you took lenses of political economists. It was very exciting. It was very academical, I'd say, more than here in some senses. But I think that what MPP has created here with the cohort, again, sounds like a cliche, but like a this social experiment where they like put like 150 people in one building and they just observe, you know, what's going to happen to us. Um, and we interact with each other and we create these kind of <laughs> relationships and friendships. And it, 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 it doesn't it sometimes, you know, like I, I mean it in the most like, you know, like in a good way. Um, but it sometimes it is like I enter on Monday morning and I and I escape and I leave it on Friday evening, <laughs> BSG, and like the whole week kind of like we all just like kind of interact here and you know have our own whole life here. So of course LSE wasn't like that. Like we were much smaller cohort. We had like different classes. We didn't meet each other that often. We had it in different buildings. So this was like the huge difference. Of course, is the community. 
Um, and yeah, I think just generally Oxford, like it's it's Oxford, it's tougher, like it's tougher. Um, in a sense that I think that the pressure here or like the, the kind of expectations from you um, are even higher. I would say that that was obviously there. Um, but I'm happy that I'm doing Oxford now. Like I'm older, of course, than I was six years ago. Um, and I'm more like prepared maybe for, for this kind of pressure and expectations. Uh, because when I studied there and I was 22 and I just came from small city in the Czech Republic when I did my bachelor uh, in Brno and I, I suddenly, you know, appeared in London and everything was so huge and hectic. And I thought that I was like a big city girl who would love London and who would like enjoy it there and I would stay forever even. Well, I learned my lesson the hard way. And after one year there, I actually learned that I'm first of all, not a big city girl. Second of all, I don't like London. Uh, and third of all, that I'm less um, maybe resilient to things than I thought. Um, I, I might not, I don't have to go into the details and I don't want to um, maybe, you know, distress any of our listeners. But uh, yeah, I did went through some of the mental health kind of crises or issues in London and also for many years afterwards, um, which started at the LSE. So uh, uh, I learned, I learned a lesson that I need to learn kind of my boundaries and like what, what work f works, works for me, what doesn't work for me. And um, the lifestyle. Yeah, like what kind of lifestyle and also like expectations from myself, you know, you know how many mm -hmm. times I asked myself, maybe many of you did too, like, why am I actually doing this? Why did I quit my job after, like, why did you leave your country? Like everything that you had and it just moved, like for me, I just moved like two, three hours uh, flight from my home, but some people moved through the whole country, uh, sorry, planet. Yeah. And um Sometimes I find myself that like I'm really like, you know, putting this like so much expectations and pressure and, and like uh, overachieving kind of, um, you know, stuff on yourself. And then sometimes, sometimes it's good to stop and ask yourself, like, why are you doing it? And I'm saying all these like super wise words while sitting in Oxford, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, apparently I didn't stop with that. Um, but I think that I'm now thinking it's a little bit differently because I really, I really need to be conscious about like my well-being and how I'm doing here. So, yeah. So still after all the doubts, you made the decision. Yeah, I made the decision and it wasn't that easy one, actually. Um, yeah, person, some personal anecdote. I mean, a few months ago, my best friends in Bratislava, they just had an intervention with me and they told me like, Emma, we strongly suggest against going to Oxford for you um, because I was doing so badly, like I, do, I wasn't doing well uh, health wise. And um, I understand them because they care about me and I, I value them and I love them. Um, and I had to get all the support I, I needed to get to actually make it here. And I'm still like getting all the support also from back home and also um, from any, any kind of like medicine that, that exists. Um, and uh, I feel now that I can make it and that's why I'm here. And it was so far my best decision in my life, I say. Um, but um, it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision. I was very close to not coming because of my health. So mm. for me and also for everyone who who struggles, sometimes I um, just let, let's be let's be cautious about ourselves and let's take it easy, I guess. Very comforting, very <laughs> helpful, and very Thank personal. You. Thank you. <laughs>
But you, um, I mean, it's like when you have your personal experience, then you can relate to people, I guess. Yeah. It's also interesting. Um, you're saying that this is the best decision and you actually judge now with the benefit of, of hindsight. So you are two months here already and you make a conclusion that you enjoy your time here. So I'm wondering what you expect to get in this year in the MPP? Do you have any particular goals uh, or maybe achievements that you want to have by the end of the year to say that this year was really worthwhile? Yeah. Well, I really envy classmates who are, uh, I, I think that you are one of them, Eric, like super structured, you know, and like you have your goals and you have your ambitions and you kind of, you know, when you had probably maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing if you were supposed to write your plan in the policy challenge one assignment, you were like, I completely know what I'm going to write down, you know, like I know what I want to achieve. Maybe I'm, maybe it's not true, but I mean, I would say it's partial to <laughs> Change very to change. Also. Yeah. There's instability too. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I wanted to, like, as I said in the beginning, like I wanted to come back home and like challenge my country and bring all the wisdom from Oxford and like make the whole, you know, administration just superb. Um, but actually after two months here, I really found out that what I whole time, what was my passion, like, uh, like a topic or area, which was my passion, but I never thought I would actually be able to work in it because in Slovakia it's not popular at all. I actually am try like believing more and more that I actually can do it. Um, the topic is gender mm -hmm. and, um, I'm now just like trying to figure out like how to incorporate like gender into public policy decisions and the gen gender mainstreaming and um, kind of like how to get these lenses on, on the work. So um, now I don't have the answer like what, I mean, in, in a career way, like what is what I, after what kind of thing I would say like, okay, I took like the most I could from, from, from Oxford and I, and I made my career path uh, very clear because I still have option to go back home and work for my government because I have a scholarship. So I'm actually quite bound to, but if I come up with like something better, which would really like be, I would be passionate about and it would be related to gender ideally. And I, and I would come up with something better. Now I'm considering applying for the MSc. Uh, now I'm like <laughs> disclosing it publicly. So people can also, you know, ask me, uh, sorry, like for the research track here at the BSG, mm -hmm. like for the master of science, like the one which you can do after the MPP. If I'm... Yeah. And you're supposed to prepare a draft. Yeah. Like a research project. proposal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I disclose it like openly so people can ask me about it and I actually can like make a pressure on me to actually do the project. Mm. <laughs> um, What's the deadline? Deadline is the same as we had for the MPP. So it's like the 6th of January, like mm -hmm. early January. Well, maybe I will not make it and I will not judge myself by it, but at least it will show me that I want to do maybe more research and I can do the research at home, like at work, or I can find like some other lenses. It's not like I have to go get to the MSc, but it will be mm. nice. So just to summarize, I mean, I, I, I think that academically or like career wise, uh, it is still an open question what I will do afterwards. And probably it, hell, it will have something to do with Slovakia and with gender probably maybe not <laughs> but uh, generally I cannot imagine how Oxford would be not like valuable for me because like as I said already after two months I'm just like I'm ever like I'm, I'm overstimulated so like even if we are like stopped now for a bit you know with all of that stimulation you can get here I would be completely satisfied with like you know everything I got here. <laughs>
So, so can't really disappoint me much. Two months of MVP actually suffice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't give anyone idea to even shorten this this program because like it's already short enough. Yeah, it's quite short. Uh, when mm -hmm. I was choosing the program, I compared different public policy programs, and uh, actually MVP at Oxford is one of the shortest, if yeah. not if not the shortest one, because normally they take two years. Two years exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and we have nine months, and then. The, the mandatory summer project. Yeah. By the way, have you considered what you would like to do there? Yeah, I think that I want to do like something about that gender mainstreaming in Slovakia, like the, the kind of analyze how the po public policies are or not um, considering gender when they are like, uh, being implemented in Slovakia. While my friend who did the MPP two years ago, she told me that I should like explore something which I have never thought about before. So maybe also some ideas for our colleagues who are listening. That she said, like, if she was doing it the second time, she would go to do something agricultural in Africa, which might be for some of our classmates very close or natural thing to do. But for us from Europe, is something which you don't usually come across. So she said that, like, you don't have to stay within your, your kind of like maintenance of what you did before or what you want to yeah. do afterwards. It can be something like completely out of the box, which you want to explore. So I also have that in mind. But I'm also kind of like a planner and I do like having kind of like plan what I want to do. So now I'm like really happy, like sticking with gender and public policy in Slovakia. But we'll see. Ask me in two months and maybe I'll tell you something completely different. Another podcast in two months? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it's interesting what you're saying on the value of research. Um, mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. When I was preparing for 2023, right, in my New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. and... It was actually the time when I had only recently submitted my MPP application. Mm. I was just thinking of the of the true added value of a public policy professional. And you know, it's not about um, knowing some stuff, which is actually everyone knows about certain areas where you work, but it's rather having really profound research and understanding of certain areas and what works in these areas. So. Uh, for me, in the MPP, um, the priority is to try to gain a deeper understanding yeah. and really dedicate some time to research um, in certain areas that I'm less familiar normally with, such as um, social care, healthcare, education. When you really try to research and look into what other countries did, what went wrong, this is probably constitutes a huge added value of your knowledge and your, of your expertise. Yeah. Do you think that MPP provides us with sufficient opportunity to um, kind of set ourselves priorities in terms of what we want to study, what we want to research? Because, mm. for instance, yes, we covered gender in one of the uh, modules of foundations, yeah. but it's not the main focus of the program, right? So if you want to deepen your expertise in this sphere, you're supposed to do it yourself um, additionally, and actually the focus of MPP is rather to provide a generalist yeah. foundations again. Um, mm. At the end, it's you who should prioritize and find what is interesting and then try to delve into that. Yeah, I think we kind of have to expect that MPP will be quite generalistic because it's like, you know, the course description also says so and it's like 
when I speak to many people here, they also want to explore what they would be interested in. So I think that the course is providing you with tools for you to find out what you want to do. Of course, I would be very happy to see more gender in the curricular. That's why I'm also part of the organization team of the gender at BSG. And um, we have had a meeting already with uh, Tom Hale and Tom Simpson, and we discussed some options for this year, but also for the future of the BSG. And we provided some advice, like how we would want to see more of the gender in the curricula. But I didn't come to study feminist political uh, sciences, you know, so I could not expect to have more of that. Maybe I could right. have expected a little bit more, but I'm, I'm not very, I can't, I'm, I'm very like uncomfortable uh, in criticizing like curricula here. I think we have a like a lot of classmates who are very good in this criticism. I stick to what I, what I know and to stick to what I uh, can mm -hmm. criticize. So generally I take the curricula as it is. And of course there are some topics which I know that I will not work in in the future. And uh, so I just kind of try to, you know, also like work with my time management and energy and put it more where I see my, my value. But I totally agree with what you were saying about the research. I was five years more of like a generalist in my public administration in Slovakia. And that might be also one of the reasons why I don't feel as an expert among our classmates because I have... I don't have one topic I would be like really good at. I mean, maybe European policies, but it's still very general wide. Um, so I definitely want to, the same as you, deepen knowledge in few certain areas from, in my case, gender, social policy, maybe education. And, and that I want to for sure uh, use Oxford for. Mm. And in your response, you mentioned a fascinating aspect of the MPP, which is subgroups. Um, dedicated to different topics and you know if there is a problem of overpopulation in the world um, the most acute part of this problem is whatsapp subgroups that we create almost every day and yeah it's a very interesting what parts uh, what like what subgroups have you already joined what subgroups do you value most? Could you talk a little bit about this aspect of MPP, which is really very interesting? Like the WhatsApp groups? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like, actually, fun fact, like, what, yeah, I was one of the last people to join the main WhatsApp group. I was so <laughs> sad when on the first day, I think it was Jacob, um, <laughs> when he said like, oh, so we have a WhatsApp group and there are like 10 people who are still missing from a cohort in the WhatsApp group. And I was like, what, there is a WhatsApp group? Like, I didn't know about it. And then I found out that some people already like hang out before the, co the course started. And I was in Oxford for a few days already, so I could have hang out. I was so sad for a few days actually for me because I was like, how could I miss it? So, actually the same, I joined just yeah. three days before the course started. Before, I, I started, I, I joined when it started. Yeah, but the group was created in March. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know who, like, wow. Like, I still, this is a mystery for me. Like guys, if anyone who listens to the podcast can explain like, what did you do since March? Like I'm really curious. But anyway, so after that, I told myself I will join every single subgroup. No, I didn't. Um, no, I tried to be also cautious there. Like I am, I am so excited about so many things and people do amazing things. And I joined so many of the WhatsApp groups. And then I, I see that I can't even meet with my study group. We haven't, haven't met once since it was created. Um, so I am, I am part of the, yes, yeah, so we have a study group, a part of the education group. And I heard that you had amazing dinner last week um, about education. Uh, and I didn't join because I had something else. And so I had actually dinner with the EU group because there is an amazing year. Which 
I couldn't join. You couldn't join because you were in the education. Yeah, exactly. We have a group from uh, about for the people from the EU, from Europe or related to Europe or loving Europe or whatever you have a relationship with Europe, which I actually didn't think it was important for me. And the group was created very uh, recently mm-hmm. after like almost two months here because, but we felt like we from Europe that I, we love all our colleagues and I, and I actually want to become honorary member of Latino group, but they still don't want to let me in. <laughs> um, but we kind of felt that we also want to meet and discuss maybe European matters and Euro as a single currency and whatever future there is for Europe. But So Arnold's created a group and I'm happy for that. So I'm a member of that one, a member of the run running club uh, and I have to say that Hugh is doing an amazing job with the running even though I joined them only once for a run <laughs> I just enjoy their jokes they they memes they Instagram merch that is being created like prepared they'll be going to Barcelona for a half marathon even though I'm just going to watch the marathon <laughs> not run uh, yeah I'm also a member of the of the traveling group uh, which is also amazing um, what else um I think that's it. There's some few more, I think, but uh, I can't remember now. So. Yeah, but you've provided an accurate account of how overwhelming it yeah, is, but at the same so time, much. how enriching <laughs> it is. And yeah, actually, I'm also yet to join the first run in the running group. Oh, tomorrow? No, I haven't joined yet. Oh, you haven't joined. So you... And okay. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm also joining this trip for Barcelona, hopefully. Just to enjoy. No, I actually registered for marathon. You want to run? I'm not oh. sure I will survive because I don't run, but... <laughs> I mean, well. <laughs> Kaim the last is also coming. What so, is coming? I mean, coming finishing the last ah, is also, also finishing. finishing. Yeah, oh, that's true. Hope that's very w- good. Hope it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you so much for an amazing conversation. The last question that I have for you is: What would you recommend to those who would like to who are considering applying now? Because I've been contacted by a few people who are very interested in applying and they are asking about whether they will manage to shoulder this academic workload that Oxford entails. And also at the same time, it also means managing this kind of anxiety, waiting for the selection decision. So what would be your suggestion as a very important person, community and values representative of our cohort? Well, uh, such a big question. I, I really want to get this right because it might, you know, influence someone. And um, But first thing that comes to my mind is just, like, don't push it. That would be my suggestion. I mean, I have waited six years until I applied here and I don't regret it. I didn't go to Oxford when I finished my high school because I didn't apply to any of the international schools because I didn't have self-confidence. I didn't apply to Oxford when I finished my bachelor because I didn't have a self-confidence. I was gaining my self-confidence and I worked on myself hard for the past five years at work. And it was worth waiting because when I was applying here, I don't want to say that I was sure they're going to accept me. Of course not. But I something just felt right about it. I felt like this is the right time, the right place. I am at the right age. Um, to do it. And of course, this is just my personal experience because we have colleagues here who are much younger than me and it is right time for them too. And we have colleagues who are a little bit older than me and it's also right time for them. And that I think is only stress when I'm saying that it is different for everyone. And if you feel like you wouldn't manage or if you feel like it's not yet ready, that's completely fine. And wait your time, you might come. 
and also be very much aware that Oxford is not the only way or not the only solution for you. And if you go somewhere else, it might be just as amazing or even better. So I would say don't push it and, and kind of just go with the flow of your life and you will feel like when is the right decision for you to do it. Great. Thank you, Emma, for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. That was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a great conversation and looking forward to talking to you in the future episodes, probably. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for listening, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye.